As many of you know, we teach through series around here, and if you've been through the series so far, we've been called it a 1322 series on financial stewardship. This is the last installment into this series, and it's entitled Maximizing Your Income. Maximizing Your Income. In essence, we learn, even if you have a, a, a cursory view of Scripture, understanding of Scripture, you'll learn really quick that Scripture is highly concerned about our possessions, our resources, so on and so forth. It's not something that's carnal or secular or any of the above to be concerned about our resources, specifically speaking to our finances. In the New Testament, 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus or stories that Jesus tells deals with money, possession, and its management or stewardship of that. A few weeks back, we said we're going to be launching a 1322 challenge, 1322 coming from Proverbs 1322 that says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And yes, we can talk about a spiritual inheritance, which you heard about Deacon Ray unpack the spiritual inheritance that he received from his mom and grandma and so on and so forth. But there's also a natural inheritance that we could say for the next generation, I want to leave you some resources so it could further free you up to follow all that God has for you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's completely biblical. But with that said, I want to utilize a parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, where we're going to learn how to maximize our income. How do I be a better steward of what I have or what I'm about to have? How do I grow it and cause it to flourish and I think we all can glean something from here. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 reads, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another one, to another one bag, each according to his ability. And he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the, one, the, one, the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a mouthful in that parable. Jesus, in this parable, is freeing us up to say, you can't, you can't love money, but it's totally fine to pursue ways to maximize that which I've given you to store. And so we get a theology of stewardship and management and resources. In fact, I want to contextualize this story today. And so the, the master goes on a journey. The master goes on a journey. And there are servants that he's entrusted. And so he calls three different servants to come forth to be a good steward of the resources and money he has. And so he sees the first servant. And for the sake of this illustration, by the way, there's usually two groups of people in a parable. Those, the master, which represents God, and the servants, which represents us. For the sake of this illustration right now, I'm the master. And so now... He gives him five bags of gold. And so what you see here, this is a dollar sign uh, right here. And, and you'll see it's a dollar sign. These are the five bags of gold. And in the words of the great philosophers, Wu-Tang Clang, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. It's just right there. All five bags. These are the five bags I'm giving out. And by the way, contextually, this would have been considered in our modern day currency $19,000 per bag. So that means he just gave $95,000 to this one gentleman to store it. His servant, there you go. And then he goes on to say, now I'm going to give two bags to... My other servant, again, he goes and gives the two bags to say, though I'm gone, I still want you to work the income and make the money. And he says, for you, I'll give one bag. And they go and he gives this out. Now, mind you, again, that's about 19000 per bag. So he has a, a nice chunk of change, 95000 here, 38000 here, 19000 here. And so they go and he goes on his journey. Now, the Bible is silent. It's silent on how long this individual is on this journey, but he was away. But while he was away, it didn't mean he didn't expect increase. He expected what? Increase. He expected stewardship. And it wasn't equal increase. He said, I'm going to give them according to their gift set, according to their abilities. And so he knew their abilities. So he gave one five, one two, and then one one bag of gold. Now, he comes back from his journey, and he's expecting something more. And then he goes and sees, he brings back five more bags. 
in the words of Denzel Washington, my man. And so he comes back. He doubles the bags, 10 bags of gold, get, left them with five. Another gentleman comes. Wow, doubled it up, you good, faithful servants. You guys are next level. I'm going to entrust you with more. Now, we're... Pero, Papa, what's the matter for you, Papa? You didn't get anything. What? And in the parable, he shuns them. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. You know why he called them lazy? He said, at least you could have went and deposited in the bank. Contextually in that time, there was about a 12% interest rate in the banks. So you would have at least got 2000 plus more dollars on my 19000 if you put it in the bank. He said, you wicked servant. You didn't even do that. Now go weeping and gnashing your teeth. He sends them off. He says, I'm going to take what you have. You know how God works sometimes. If you're not going to do it, he'll give it to somebody who will. And I'm going to give it to this gentleman to maximize the gift set that I've given him and what I've given him to do. It could be gone. And he says, and we laugh at it, we joke at it, but it was no laughing matter in the parable. You weren't a good steward of what I've given you resource-wise. He wasn't happy. He was bothered. Thank you. Thank you. It's a whole different dynamic when you see it visually happen and why the master was bothered. If I was the pastor of the last man standing and I said, you know what you could have done? If I could just chime in and jump right in on this part of the story and I was standing off watching, I would have said what I'm telling you is what I would have told to him if you wanted to maximize your income, you know what you could have done? Do what you enjoy. Do what you enjoy. What fuels you rather than drains you? See, happiness produces feelings in our heart, a sense of excitement, a, a, a sense of fulfillment when we come to doing something that we enjoy. What gives you that deep sense of internal fortitude and satisfaction when you're involved in that activity? What's, what's speaking to you? What's motivating you? What gets you going? And then the next question becomes not just, okay, I enjoy this, but how can I monetize it? You know, it's interesting. We live in a time where you can, I mean, when I, when I grew up and I played video games, it was always for free. We just played video games. Nowadays, you could go on Steam and YouTube and there's people, there's teens and young adults making millions having people watch them play video games. Millions. I'm not overstating that. That's factual. Millions of dollars having people watch them play Fortnite. And so they tapped into, I enjoy this. How do I do it? Now look at this truth, this good theological underpinning from Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And what that teaches me, when it comes to my money, I don't own my money. It's not my money. I stored that which God gave me the ability to produce. Even if you made the money and you think, I made this, I, went, I, I did the overtime, I did it. No, that's good. Yes, you did it in a sense, but just remember who's the God that graced you with the ability to receive and retrieve that money. 
And so that teaches us another theological truth when it comes to money. Many of us could have a distorted theology, or I would say an empty or not a robust theology when it comes to money. We think, well, I'm going to just pray for money. Nothing wrong with praying for your needs. Nothing wrong with praying for your resources. You'll think, I'm going to just pray. Lord, give me more money. Lord, I just need your, uh, a breakthrough in the area of finances. Good, but it's not just praying. You know what's connected to getting your money? Labor. Pray with your feet as well. With your feets, plural. That means I'm posturing myself to go and do when God gives me the revelation. He's given me the ability to do wealth. He's given me the faculty to think creatively. He's given me the ability to have an intellect. It's up to me and you what we do with it. And again, it's not about everybody has equal gifting. That's not, that's not what God is asking for. Everybody's gifting is different. Just are you doing good with what God gifted you to do? Just you. Stop comparing yourself to others. What are you doing with what God gave you to do? But if you're going to maximize our income, sometimes we can have a full-time job and you can have a side hustle. Side hustle is just urban vernacular for another stream of income. So, doing what you enjoy. Do you enjoy sports? Be a referee. That could be your side hustle. If you enjoy sports, you know they pay refs to do Little League. They pay refs to do high school games and college games. Posture yourself for that if you enjoy sports. You could do that. Or you can be like the former NFL player. His name was Al Bubba Baker. He came into the news recently. They call him the ninth greatest pass rusher in NFL history, according to Sports Illustrated. He came into the NFL in 1978. He played for 12 years. Since he left the NFL... He entered into another career. Guess what he was good at? He enjoyed making ribs. True story. He, he patented his uh, deboning process of the ribs. He patented it. He was so good at making ribs, he opened a restaurant called Bubba's Barbecue and Catering, and he and his daughter Brittany had earned $154,000 in 2014 just because they knew how to make ribs. That was it. They knew how to make ribs. He went, this is why he came into the news recently, though. He went on Shark Tank where you go barter with other investors. One of the investors was Damon John. Damon John believes in them, those Bubba Ribs. You know it sounds good. Bubba Ribs just sound good. It sounds very fattening, but it sounds good. And so he, he invested. He said, I'll give you $300,000 for 30% of equity in the company. Bubba says, sure, you can do $300,000. 30% of equity in the company. To this day, April, I mean, excuse me, April 2017, they proclaimed Baker and his company had made $16 million in sales. Why? Because my brother made some good ribs. We laugh, and it is a little comical, but he enjoyed cooking. And some of us think, oh, I can't monetize that. He monetized $16 million worth of some good ribs. What do you enjoy? 
what comes natural to you. And it'll lead me to my second point because it's very connected sometimes. What you enjoy is one, but do what you're good at. What are you good at? Uh, you know, it's one thing to enjoy something. There's some things I enjoy that I'll never be able to monetize, but then there's something that you're good at. It's just the way God wired you. It comes natural to you. And sometimes people have a hard time identifying what they're good at. You have a good service. You have a good product. You're a handy person. You might be the person people think of that if they bought a new TV and they bought a mount, you're the person people call to go, hey, can you mount this TV for me? You, you're, the, you're the laborer person. You're good with your hands. You can build and fix. Wave at me if you're that person that you can build and fix things. Wave at me. It comes natural to you. Ushers, please take a picture. I need help in my household. And so... Um, because I'm not that person. And so they, they think of you right away. Why? Because you're so good at it. Why don't you think of monetizing it? What are you good at? You might be the one that people come to you and they want counsel and they want, they, they want insight. You're so good at it. Why don't you pursue counseling? And so I, I need you to not limit you. Very often we have a myopic version of us. But listen, what are people praising you for? What are they affirming in you? What are they saying, man, you do it different. Yes, I mean, you know, I can get it from somewhere else. But you, you, you do it different. This is something. This is your niche. Have you considered monetizing that? Don't limit what God can do. Because that's what I would have told the one servant that got shunned to go, listen, what are you good at? At least take something you could have done and think about monetizing it. You could be good at teaching and go online and use it for tutoring. The internet has minimized and shrunk the world so much where we can connect. There's one stay-at-home mom that I know personally in our congregation. She's, she, she gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning to teach English to children in China via her laptop. She gets paid. She doesn't know Chinese. She knows English. Here's the caveat. If you want to teach English, learn proper English. helpful. You, if you, you can use Ebonics, but just know you use both. And maybe you're trilingual, you know, Spanish, French, whatever. What I'm trying to say is she teaches English and has made an extra stream of income as a stay-at-home mama. A significant stream of income. Monday through Friday, she gets up at five in the morning to tutor. There's also, I mean, there's, there's, in the world we live in, when it comes to what you're good at, in fact, there's an online teaching platform. It's called Udemy. It provides a course entitled, look at this course, What to Text a Girl You Like. You can pay a teacher $12.99 to help them figure out the right, right words for that special someone. 13, I'll do it for $5, my guy. I'm like $13 to get the right. To, uh, this, I remember a friend of mine, he called me up. Some time ago, and, and we were talking, he's married, I'm married. I was like, hey, I just out of theory, and you know, in curiosity, do you ever, you know, he was talking about connecting with his wife. I said, do you ever just text your wife throughout the day to let her know you're thinking about her? And he's like, you know what, not really. That's not my thing. He doesn't think like that. I said, you know what, I could craft a text for you as if it was coming from me. Just copy and bit. I 
This is what I did. Copy and paste it and send it. To, and I'm thinking to myself after I read that, my God, I should have charged them, man. What am I doing doing this for free? Some of you had, you know, you got, you know, I could have sold the game. No, so some of you guys were like, yeah, you know, God redeemed you. He saved you. You were, you know, you were good with your, you know, slick talk and everything. God redeemed you. He said, praise God for that. But you better help these married brothers, man. Charge your skills. Charge for your skills. But the reality is, the world has changed so much, you'll be shocked at the ways you can make income without leaving your home. That's all without leaving your home. You can just craft something right there. But what are you good at? When I think of what are you good at, I think of who's ever heard of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. My God. 11 million people tune in every week to watch the dog whisper. Just to watch him whisper at dogs. No. He has a New York Times bestseller. He has three New York Times bestsellers. He, in his, if you look at his story, he's originally from Mexico. He crossed the border illegally when he came over from Mexico at the age of 21. He, had, uh, he, was a, he came and he eventually became a U.S. citizen. His company, Caesar Milan Inc., which is nearing the $100 million per year mark through shows, speaking engagements, executive seminars, organic dog foods, fortified water shampoos, toys at Petco, a charitable foundation, all because my man knew how to whisper at dogs. He was good at getting dogs to do what they should be doing when it came to their masters. People saw he had a gift. He had a way with animals, and people were willing to pay him big bucks to learn how to train their dogs. And all I could see, my guy came. He came over the border. He's making his programs almost $100 million a year. What was my excuse lately? What are you good at? What are you good at? He found a way to monetize it. This, don't, 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 don't mix it up. Don't, don't fall into a trap in your theology. Don't think, why is my church doing such a carnal message? Why this is not about the Lord. This is very much about the Lord. Here, here's what I'm trying to say is that my prayer is that the Lord will raise up millionaires in our congregation. Notice I didn't say just attract them. I'm talking about raise them up. Not, for you can, not so you can just get more Snapchats and Insta books and whatever you're going to do. Not just so you can get, keep up with the Jones is or have the best luxurious things, not because of that, but raise up millionaires to fuel the gospel and the kingdom of God and see things change over time. Why is it we think that the millionaire is only for the people who don't know the Lord or don't know? No, no, no. Why can't God's people, a good steward, a wise steward, a godly person know how to deal with resources and do something that will impact the next generation? Don't think too myopic about money. Don't get it twisted. You see, a lot of people have a bad theology on money. They think, oh, money is evil. Scripture never says that. It says the love of money. In essence, don't worship it, but you sure enough could earn it, so go do what you have to do. The love of money. Don't worship the money. Don't put it before uh, uh, life values and ethics. Don't disrespect the things of God. Honor God with the money. But there's nothing wrong. With, don't lose your family going after money. But there's nothing wrong with putting money in its proper place so God can get glory from it. Our whole lives are about the glorification of God. And don't 
don't remove, don't, don't sidestep finances being part of that. It's very biblical, very anchored in scripture, very much a godly endeavor to say, Lord, what do I enjoy? What am I good at? And last and final point, do something to solve people's problems. If you took the time to think through these things, trust me, creative ideas will flow. They'll flow. People are willing to pay people to solve their problems. Let me tell you something. If I brought 100 people in a room with a problem, all 100 people will be able to identify some semblance of the problem. Oh, yeah, there's a problem here, there's a problem there. It may not be the root cause, but they'll identify the problem. I will say less than a handful will be the people that know how to solve the problem. And the people that know how to solve the problem are the people I'll pay to get things done. Stop complaining. Everybody can't complain. Stop making, everybody can do that. Who's starting to think about what I can do to solve the problem? And people, there's a website called prizes.org where people put a problem they have and what they're willing to pay people to solve it. There was a person that said, uh, if you can get my two-year-old to eat three meals a day, I'll pay you $25 for your tips. Two-year-old, three meals a day. You know how many abuelas and grandmas I know that I get your two-year-old eating five meals a day real quick? How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm obese because of stuff like that. You see what I'm talking about? It says, there's a chef. He said, if you help me come up with a new chocolate cake recipe, I'll pay you $25 for the recipe. People want you to solve their problems. They're willing to pay. It's prizes.org. Some of you are looking it up right now. Come on, come back, come back, come back. Hold on. But if you can find solutions, it increases your quality. And I don't want you to fall into a trap. I'm not saying our net worth is what makes us valuable. We're valuable because we're children of the most high God. Your net worth is not what me. Don't, don't mince things. Don't mince them. Your value comes from God himself. Your value comes from the cross. Your value comes from there's a savior who loves you while you were yet a sinner. That's where your value comes from. But let me tell you something. I, I am not living. My value is not from my net worth. But a little increase in my net worth won't hurt either. Come on, somebody. It won't hurt. That's not my value. I don't find my sense of identity in what I have. I find it in Jesus. But I'm praying for resources to get certain things done because on my watch in the kingdom of God, I want to get some things done before I check out of you. You know, I'm not going to give up that pursuit. But can you solve the problems that people have? There's an individual, they call themselves the potty whisperer. Expert in helping children become potty trained. She'll provide through a virtual experience, get this, her prices range from $450 to $3,800, depending on how many 90-minute sessions you want, follow-up phone calls, and text messages, all to get little Pookie to go to the bathroom and not miss the toilet. She's made a career out of potty training. You know, when I look at all these ideas and create, I'm like, what in the world? What is holding me back? You ever had that moment where you see something, you're like, why didn't I think of that? Or you ever see somebody do something and they're getting paid to do something and deep inside your heart, like, I could do that plus a little bit better. You ever think, you ever think, is that just me? Maybe my brokenness. I'm sitting there like, I, I could do that. You just paid them what to do what? Some of you do hair better than any salon that I know of. 
I've seen friends. Oh, where'd you go? I went to my friends. I said, get my hair done. They ain't doing it for long. Oh, you my friend, girlfriend. You my friend. A girlfriend better pay you. She could be your friend and help line your pockets. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to monetize something. Why? Because that very thing can be an answered prayer when you ask the Lord to increase your finances. And you're, you're, you're shunning it, going, ah, no, nah, that's just an idea. It's time, it's time to get things done. You know what I've learned is very often when it comes to increasing our income, sometimes it's not just a spiritual dynamic. It can be. But sometimes we need to change our thinking in order to change our income. You need to change how you think about money, especially when you come up in an area where you might have been an impoverished area or an impoverished upbringing. Sometimes we grow up in poverty mindsets where debt and being broke and being all that is very normalized and we think this is how life has to be. But sometimes you need to change your thinking. And there's some stuff you need to stop doing. There's some stuff we need to start doing. So first, we need to stop following. Stop waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Stop waiting for permission. You need to stop following and start leading. Let, start leading. Stop waiting for permission to solve some problems. Solve that problem. Don't wait for somebody to rub your back and coach you on. You can do it. Wait and you go and do it. You get up and say, no, you got to get this thing done. Stop making excuses. The lazy, lazy servant had nothing but excuses. I knew you were a hard man. I knew you really didn't like, you like, you like reaping where you got sown. I knew, so I was kind of, you know, I don't know. I was shaky. But everybody an excuse. Everybody has an excuse for something. Nah, I don't know. My health is not in the right place. My mindset's not in the right but it's not the, you know, Christians, we like the term seasons. It's not the right season of my life right now. And so, you know, I'm not going to do it. Make it an excuse. Stop making excuses. Listen, start making money. There's something you can do. Don't be so picking, hey, there's something I can do. There's ways I can get in this to have a healthy perspective of pursuing some income. Here's another thing. Stop procrastinating. Many times we procrastinate. And even, again, as a Christ follower, we can use a Christian tagline for procrastination what are you doing just waiting on God <laughs> 30 years later waiting on God for real nothing wrong with praying nothing wrong with waiting on God nothing wrong with that but sometimes we're using these catchphrases because we're procrastinating we don't, we don't want to go do it. We don't want to update the resume. We don't, we don't, we don't really want to search and look for. If you Googled right now, I did it myself. If you Googled side hustles, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a blog that's up. There's like 24 different side hustles people do. Did you not know I was reading through it? Even there's some folks, believe it or not, you know, you may have like a, a kid at college and they're not using the car because usually most colleges, freshman year, there's a car that they can't bring on campus, so they leave the car parked in a lot. You know you can rent that car through some programs and have, get income just from it. Instead of that car sitting in your driveway, you can make money off that thing being home. Ah. <laughs> Little things like that. Stop procrastinating, start producing. We spend a lot of time consuming. We live in a consumer culture, so we do. We spend a lot of time consuming. The people who have the financial edge, they lit less time consuming, more time producing. They're not the ones looking to always binge the TV show. Now, I'll binge a good TV show, but they're not the ones always looking for that. They're the ones thinking, how can I produce a TV show that people want to pay for and binge? There's a financial difference in that. 
They're not the ones thinking just, oh, let me consume, let me go to another, like, art class. I saw people doing an art class, whatever. Let me go to another art class. That's great. Enjoy it. But there's people that's thinking, no, how do I produce an art class that people want to come to and pay for? It's a different, different mindset. Stop feeding fear. He stopped feeding fear. He said, he quote, I quote in the parable, he says, I was afraid. So I didn't do anything with the $19,000 he gave me. I was afraid. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. Listen, we'll talk ourselves out a whole lot. It don't even, the Lord didn't do it. The devil didn't do it. You talk yourself out of some things. Don't blame it on the devil. The devil just attacking me. No, it's not. Your brain is. We'll talk ourselves out of certain blessings, certain creative flows, certain things. Why? Because we feel like, man, God, I don't know. I, I don't deserve that. No, we, listen, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve, the, we don't deserve any of that. Thank God for Jesus and by his grace, he sees fit to bless us. Stop feeding fear. Start feeding faith. How about getting a hold of some scripture like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How about that? How about getting a hold of I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. How about getting a hold of I'm not just a conqueror. Romans tells me I'm what? More than a conqueror. How about getting a hold of those and stop giving up? And start getting up. You give up too quick. Sometimes things don't work out the way we thought they would. That's life. Things don't work out the way we think. I mean, nobody, everybody sitting here right now, you probably had a different picture for your life than where you are right now, good or bad. And sometimes we give up too quick. Things don't go our way, we give up. Don't count the times you fall. Get back up. Count the times you got back up. And say, Lord, I'm going to keep getting up. I might have tried it the first time, it didn't work. I may have tried it the second time, it didn't work. But I can't shake the fact you're calling me to try it a third and fourth time. But if you can fix people's problems, that's a whole different thing. If you can solve problems, it's a whole different mindset right there. There's even money in solving people's problem with junk. Did you know that? Omar Solomon, at the young age of 26 years old, he founded the company, College Hunks Hauling Junk. They move and remove your junk. In 2017, College Hunks Hauling Junk generated $100 million worth of business. You could buy a franchise for approximately $200,000. One of the secret sauces to their success, they said, they'll get well-mannered, uniformed, college-age guys working for them. He said... I monetize junk removal by sending college students out in golf shirts and khakis and helping people declutter their homes and their businesses. That's some junk that you can make money off other people's junk and junk. You see what I'm talking about? Think about that, though. There, look, God is no respecter of persons. And too often, we'll, we'll shun it or we'll, we'll pitch it on. Oh, that's just a gifted person. That's a gift. No, it's not. Nine times out of ten, it's not they were more gifted. They just had an idea and they worked it out with some discipline. That was the difference. They wanted to solve somebody's problems. And I know we talk about 1322, that a wise person will leave an inheritance or a legacy for their children's children. But I, un I understand this. Listen. It's not going to happen by magic. It's not because this is the last installment in the series. We'll be changing the series next week. But it's not going to be because I sat in a series at my church that all of a sudden 
inheritance is going to come. It's not because I prayed it one day. I was at the altar and a prophet told me I'm going to be a millionaire, so I'm just holding on to the word. You better hold on to some labor and some work and some production. And what I'm saying is none of that just happens. God doesn't just crack the sky open and money fall. If that's the case in your household, invite me over. But I am saying this. What is God called you to do? Are you being a good steward of your gift set? Not mine. I'm not going to be held accountable for your stuff. You're not going to be held accountable for my stuff. But I want to be like the first two servants when he said, well done, good and faithful service. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you more. And again, it's not greed. It's not fueled by the Joneses. It's not fueled because, oh, I just want more to people look at me and get more attention. It's fueled by the fact, why can't I be, a, be a, a person in the kingdom of God that resources the gospel in a major way? Why can't I do it? Why do I got to shun it to somebody else? Why can't I be in that fold? We got to think different, church. It's not magic. It's discipline. And so we learned. What's some creative flows? What do we do? That's, that was my prayer. My prayer this week, I said, as I preach, Lord, as I preach, my prayer is that I'll empower some folks and raise up millionaires in the church. And my prayer is that even as I teach on maximizing our income streams, people will be here getting creative ideas as I preach. That you're right, you're taking a note. Oh, hold on. I make a good sweet potato pie. I need to start selling that bad, you know. That people get these ideas, get these ideas, get these ideas, and that'll flow. And it'll be easy to say, Lord, I want to be more positive about this outcome. I might be in debt, I might have some financial trouble, but Lord, use me. Let me be a good steward of what you've given me to do. And that's the heart of this. What do you enjoy? What do others say you're good at? And what problems can you solve? And that may help you align your life. Can we stand?